interesting things we notice as we go around studying and documenting languages is that all sorts of amazing and unusual characteristics of human language turn up. So one of the perhaps most striking examples of this is amongst the Khoisan languages and some of the Bantu languages that are in contact with them in southern Africa, that they have an amazing range of click sounds that are used in the languages to express meaning. The women and children like to go and collect wild berries and edible and succulent roots when there isn't much water available. They often go out for the whole day. In the wildness, the small children sometimes get thirsty and the group must go back home to get water for them. The men go further to hand, so they go where they know there's water, and they drink from those water points. The women don't go as far together, but where they go, there is no water. Kong language is spoken in Botswana. There are some very few speakers of Kong in Namibia and in South Africa. It's got five fundamental cliques. The bilabial, which is the and then the dental, the interdental, the, and then the alveodental, the, and you've got the palatal and the lateral. A Kong it's not written, it's the most difficult, has a clique inventory talking of uh, the, the fundamental cliques and their influxes, that is the accompaniment, that number over 120. I personally feel inferior to somebody who can produce 80 different click sounds. <laughs> Quite clearly, these are languages that won't survive beyond the next generation.
Jeroiz sana be a gana koe a centrale siwa kwi kahohae kanka e fromente kabotswana siribe ne fromente kabotswana sirise kwa mokoma se puso kabato e a puso kaliterisano e ne itako kwa kwi kahoka se itakwaredisana kuta se kodi khukan ka itakwa a kwa itakwi kaho Aha exam kwa moko ba kie mudu mo sa so saraha. Jano kie mudu. Ah, he says he's Roisisana. He speaks Kanakwe. He stands for the rights of the first people of the Kalahari. Lately, these people were removed from the Central Kalahari Game Reserve and put into settlements. And in this settlement, they have undergone oppression, deprivation. And their culture is lost, and uh, they are told that there is development, but the development really is not for them. The development is for other people, and these people are the ones who really oppress them. And therefore, as a people, they remain without uh, their land, they remain without their language, their culture. In the Tswana culture, they are taken as second grade citizens, they are not like uh, all the people. No, we've got uh, equal rights, the rights to their language. In schools, there's no school that teaches their language, and therefore he feels really that this is very inhuman, this is very degrading, and therefore there is no future if nothing is done to correct this kind of thing. <laughs> A eke butu kayo te jaha ke kwa tswana shika kana kwe uem tswana bi unoka ki kwa ngayeho butu kakom a ahwa haje ka stopa jie.
Uh, recently, of course, people have tried to connect the fact that Khoisan people are thought to be among the original human beings. And they have been the original human beings with the type of creed that they have. People have tried to connect that with the language. That, I think, is still speculative. There's still uh, a lot to be done to really find out the connection between creeks, beginning of speech, and the fact that the Khoisan people are being thought to be among the original human beings on earth. simply is not the case that there is any language anywhere in the world that is primitive. All languages are rich and detailed and complicated. They have thousands of words. They have grammatical systems that enable their speakers to express any idea that they want to express. language may have only a small number of speakers, but that doesn't mean there's a small language. Basically, it's a kind of, almost an act of faith for all linguists to say that you can say anything in any language. If you haven't got a way of saying it now, you can make one other way of saying it now. Uh, you can borrow words so that there is no such thing as a language which is deficient on the whole in the ways of saying things.
What Tamayo Sobe was just saying is that when he was young, his parents always took him when they go out hunting. They took their bows and arrows and also some used spears. The young boys, they go with the elder people in order to learn how to hunt, how to use their bow and arrow sets. Mostly when go out, going out hunting, they used to kill elands because that's their favorite animal. If they don't find elands, they, they have to kill even a hemsbok so that they can eat it for the first night they spend in the bush. Then they use wild melons to drink as water and there are some roots they used to drink. So after killing some animals, when they see the meat is enough, they make some biltong there so that the meat don't get rot. So they make the biltong when the meat dries, they move back to their village and they share the meat with their families. They, the women only do the gathering and the men do the hunting. But sometimes when the women go out gathering felt fruits like morama nuts, like wild berries, like Mutsuzu Jani, they go out with the women and they collect it together and take it home and share it among themselves. So that's how they used to live. <laughs> Oh, we're 
the traditional lone tree, so lone tree is just a government camp. So they stay here, they no longer live their life, they depend on government food rations. They are never paid, they work like slaves. Even their little children are put into employment. They are very poor and they don't have means to respond to the challenges of modernity and modernization. There's something like six and a half thousand languages that are spoken in the world today. And something like 50% or maybe even up to 90% are likely to disappear within the next century. This is a process that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. What's different now is that it's going on much more rapidly as a result of the spread of national languages at the expense of local indigenous languages, together with the globalization trends that began in the colonial period and are now continuing in the post-colonial times, so that languages like Spanish and French and English spread through colonial context and they're now spreading because of mass communications and global industrialization processes. There's a kind of parallel between 
biological diversity and linguistic diversity. Wouldn't it be better if we all understood each other immediately and we didn't have uh, all these multiple languages that were all different from one another and created problems for us in terms of communication? Well, having one language doesn't actually stop conflict. Look at Northern Ireland. What we see with monoculture is that we lose something. We lose flexibility. We lose the possibilities for richness of cultural expression. We lose different ways of thinking about the world, different ways of expressing our relationship to the world. So we don't want to have one culture with one language. We miss a huge amount as a result of this. We miss the richness and the diversity of human language and culture. And we are all losers any time languages and cultures disappear.